from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Brand. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM Channel 111. And hey, if it is Thursday, noon Eastern time, we are live right now for open calls. So give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives. And we have the dream team in studio, Dion and Michelle all hour long. So if it's Thursday, give us a call 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And hey, as a reminder, Career Talk is now replayed five times throughout the week. You can also link to the live recording on my Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. So if you want to listen to the replay or if you just miss it, please feel free to go on Twitter and download that. So today we welcome Mo Carrick, principal and founder of Momentum Inc. and co-author of her first book, Fit Matters, How to Love Your Job. A believer that people make organizations great, Mo has made it her life's work to help people thrive in companies where they work. A regular blogger and contributor to Conscious Company Magazine, we're excited to have Mo on the show today. Welcome to Career Talk, Mo. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. So I have to say, you you don't often find love and your job in the in the same sentence when you talk to people. So this is a great life's right? mission. <laughs> so yeah, so I think this is going to be a great topic for today because I think everybody wants to love their job. I mean, you spend 50, 60 hours a week. I mean, I think in the U.S. we spend more than any other country in our jobs at work or doing something related to work. Sometimes it's commuting to work, but learning how to love your job. Tell us about this. Tell us how we can learn to love our job. Well, you know, most people don't, right, as you so aptly pointed out. And um, my co-author, Cammie Dunaway, and I really got intrigued by this notion and and by the 70% of people out there that are reporting feeling unengaged and uninspired in their workplace. So we wanted to pick at that a little bit and figure out, you know, why? Why is that? Why are our workplaces not more fit for human life? And um, in the book, we kind of unpack two main buckets that we think offer some solutions for people to find that place that they can really bring out their best work. And in a nutshell, the first is self-awareness, really knowing, you know, what do you want? What is it that makes you uh, come alive and um, deliver your best work? And the second is being able to assess a potential workplace for yourself, um, either from the outside or if you're on the inside to flex so that you can create an environment that's really a great fit for you um, in the context of the workplace. Yeah, and what I love about the book Fit Matters is that you do have a lot of exercises and and kind of activities throughout to help people understand their self-awareness, because that is something that in this one click, always on social media, checking out Netflix marathons that we just don't take the time to do. We don't slow down and say, hey, what what is making me happy? What is not making me happy? And, you know, what can I do about that? So so I like that you have in the book some of these these assessments. One of the one that jumps out to me that I liked was dissecting your work. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think you're talking there about the dynamic of really looking at what is the job itself. And, you know, in the six elements, the two that are, I think, the most commonly known to people are job fit and financial fit. And job fit is where we're getting at that dissecting your work piece, which is, um, you know, what is the job itself? Is it well suited for you? And, you know, for many people, they've trained up professionally. Maybe it's an engineer or um, someone in the medical profession who's a provider who might actually, you know, this would be, of course, a sad story, but it does happen. We've talked to people for whom it's happened. They find themselves in a job track or an expert track that actually they're not well suited for. Um, I remember one gentleman who said to me, you know, I studied engineering for six years and I realized I don't actually like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that, and that's not, yeah, that's not uncommon, which is why we tell people, you know, if you're looking to make a job switch and you know you don't like what you're doing, please don't make the first step going back to school because you can go back to school and, and train and spend a lot of money and come out on the other side saying, well, right. that wasn't the right answer either. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We 
we are here with Mo Carrick, who is the author of Fit Matters, How to Love Your Job. And if it's Thursday, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are live and taking your calls all hour. If you want to get in the queue, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Michelle is on hand taking your phone calls. And we're going to go to Wes in Virginia. Wes, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, Dr. Don. I've listened to you for many months since I'm a truck driver, but my situation's my wife, okay? She works Uh-oh. In- you're sure you're calling into a career show, right? I know. I know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding with you, Wes. Just kidding. <laughs> I, love your, I love your sense of humor. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, uh, my wife works in a corporate job. She's in purchasing, procurement, but it's after the downsides in the oil fields, it seems like a lot of other outside tasks are getting thrown onto her. So she's actually doing a job of probably one and a half to two people. Okay. And she does not feel appreciated. Her boss is an old school, good old boy jerk. Uh, she, she goes for internal interviews. She sends out a resume, gets no response. She goes to interview, gets no response. And she's just very frustrated. How can I, as the loving spouse, support her and try and raise her her attitude about life and her job. Yeah. So um, first off, Wes, we really appreciate you calling in because I think this is this is perfectly aligned with with what Mo is talking about and the fact that, you know, so many people are out there in a job. So, so your wife, um, what's your wife's name, Wes? Peggy. Say that again. Peggy. 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 Yes. Okay, got it. Um, you cut out for for a second, but so here's the thing: she's got two options. Peggy can either stay in her company and try to make it work, um, or she can leave. And it sounds like she's been probably trying to do both. Now, uh, I think one, um, you have to assess if you can make it work. If her boss is a jerk, here's the deal: the number one people reason people leave their jobs is because of their boss. And chances are, if you call, I think what you call him a first class jerk, um, <laughs> he's not going to change. Um, you know, so unless Unless she has the opportunity in the company to move to a different department or a place where she can find a boss that aligns with her, I'm not sure that that's going to be the right path. So then the second part is how can she find a new job? Um, and is she looking to do something in a similar field? Uh, yes. Yes, she is. Actually, I'm hoping that I can talk her into running the office side of my trucking company once I get it going. Ooh. So you've, she's already got a pretty good offer there, it sounds like. But um, <laughs> so, so before we talk about moving to a new job, um, Mo, what are some of the things that people who find themselves in a situation with a boss who is just not working out, what are some of the things they can do before they consider leaving the company? Gosh, it's such a common scenario, as you pointed out, Don, and it's, um, oh, it's really tough. Um, I think that, you know, absolutely, if the, if the boss is, is a first-class jerk and if the relationship is just not possible to remediate, then it is time, you know, to look elsewhere, either elsewhere in that same organization. Um, I always like to caveat, though, you know, to make sure to encourage her, if she hasn't already, address the issue of the bad boss through some frank, direct conversations with him before she goes, um, and perhaps with HR, um, if she hasn't done that. I didn't get uh, um, whether Peggy had had a chance to do that. But, you know, there's a subtlety I'm hearing here that is also that I want to just note, um, which is that I think, was it, is it Wes? Um, I think you yeah. said, I really want to know how can I support my wife um, as she's like dealing with this and, and feeling so negative about her job. And I love that question because th- to me, that's a really important part of when you're in a misfit in a job situation is do you have supportive people around you? We actually dedicated a section of the book to building your allies. And one of the things that I'm hearing in the backstory about Peggy is that her confidence is kind of blown. Yeah. Wes, what yeah. do you is that is that right, Wes? Do you think uh, her confidence in being able to do what she does is not blown, but her spirit's kind of. It, it's like whenever whenever there's an issue that needs to be sorted out, dealt out. Oh, give it to Peggy; she'll take care of it. <laughs> so, so the right. the good news I, is she has a history of, of probably pretty uh, positive positive work. Um, 
in her past. And and Mo, I like what you're bringing up about her her spirit and her confidence because this is, I think, what what tends to happen, Wes, is that regardless if it's your boss or the work or, or too much work or not having work life balance, people tend to get so frustrated that when they go to look for a new job, they bring that frustration with them, and it comes through in the interview, it comes through somehow in the cover letter. It's really difficult to to kind of feel that strongly about something for not to come through. So, I mean, one of the things, and I think Mo, this is where you're going, is to get excited about where she is going and what her opportunities are. And, um, you know, think about kind of the the end game, like where can I go next? And whether that's working with you or whether that's working with a different company. I mean, it sounds like she is ready to leave. It sounds like this person is not going to change. And so to get excited about how she can use her skills somewhere else. And you talked about doing resumes and, and applying online and definitely not the way to go. It sounds like she's she's done great work. She probably has clients, vendors, maybe former colleagues that she can reach out to and reaching out to that network and definitely avoid talking about the negativity of her past job leave that behind and talk about where she's going and that you know it's it's time for me to move on it's time to me for me to take my skills and move them into the next place so being very careful not to say oh my boss is a jerk oh this this work environment's intolerable but just say hey you know I've 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 gotten to the place where I've done everything I can here now I'm looking to take my skills and and do this or now I'm looking to grow my skills in this area and that's going to completely change her demeanor when she's speaking to contacts, when she's networking, and when she's going out there. So thank you so much, Wes, for giving us a call on Career Talk. Great question, aligned with the topic perfectly. And hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Mo Carrick, who is the co-author of Fit Matters, How to Love Your Job. And we are taking your calls all hour on any career or job search related topic you might have. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So, Mo, I think Wes brings up um, a really good point. So whether it's your boss or whether maybe it's the culture or maybe whether it's the hours, should you try and, and make it work before you just jump ship? Yes, I think absolutely. And, you know, especially because so often there are external variables that make jumping ship really hard. And, and this is why we, we dedicated quite a bit of time um, in the book. We uh, in Section 5 is dealing with misfit and really looking at, okay, what can I do if I don't feel like I can leave my job, either financially or because I've got a spouse with a great job and we don't want to relocate. Maybe I'm in a lower uh, job availability area for my specialty. So really digging in and saying, okay, what about this situation? Do I have some control over? Um, if my relationship with boss or peers are bad, is there any Anything I can do to, to remediate them. If I'm just feeling bored and underutilized, what can I do to get activated outside of my work hours? You know, we've got lots of tips for doing that because I think sometimes, you know, you just can't leave. Um, and then we also really discover that for a lot of people, you know, I, I'm sure, Dr. Don, you've seen this too, people often mentally leave before they actually leave, which Yes. It's hard on the employer, right? Yes. When you're underperforming and you're kind of like retired on station, which doesn't help you leave gracefully when you do find a good opportunity. And it also can make you feel kind of flat in terms of the energy you have to search for a new opportunity. So we really advise to spend some time. If you know you're going to leave, go ahead and say, you know what? This isn't the right place. I've tried to make it work. I've tried everything, but now I'm going to move on, but I'm going to do it gracefully. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to keep myself focused and confident at my job. And then I'm going to really try to actively also leverage my network and look through what are the opportunities to leave so you don't burn any bridges yes. in the process. So important. I think that's what Wes was talking about when he, he's talking yeah. about Peggy. She's getting burned out. But I love, um, and, and that is true. People mentally quit. Like they, like I mentally quit. I'm going to show up. I'm going to, you know, start putting my time elsewhere, whether it's outside of work, whether it's looking for a job. And um, it is, it is, not a great feeling, but I like at your book, you have a quitting strategy because right. I think that's important. Like you said, don't burn any bridges. So what's the number one tip in this quitting strategy that, that you have in your book, Mo? Well, you know, I don't know if we necessarily have a number one tip, but um, really trying to figure out how can I go gracefully in a way that honors my uh, my employer while also honoring my need to kind of, you know, get out of there. Um, and some of how we do that is by deciding when's the right time to tell them, you know, um, what what is, how am I going to strategically do that? Um, am I am I ready to 
get some outside help. You know, maybe I need a, an external coach or I need to talk to a good friend who's an ally to talk out loud and think this through really clearly, examine my circumstances, make sure I'm ready to go. And then before you exit, we have um, heard from so many people that kind of having a, getting yourself prepared by getting ready to look makes sense. So, you know, have a solid LinkedIn profile. Make sure you're looking at your next opportunities. You know, we find it's much easier for people to exit a current job with grace if they do have something to look forward to. You know, sometimes that's a move to another job if they've been able to secure it. Sometimes they can't quite get there yet. But still thinking about what's my reason for doing this mm-hmm. with that positive upspin. Yep. Um, and then figuring out how do I go with grace? And part of that is making sure that the transition of your exit is managed. How right. are they going to backfill your job? Can you help them so that it's not just leaving them in a big lurch? So we always say this, Mo. We always say it's better to run to than run from. So exiting yeah. with grace, yeah. you know, because you're going to need references. So, <laughs> hey, if you're just yeah. tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. Sirius XM Channel 111. We're taking your calls all hour. It is Open Call Thursday, 844-WARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Chris in Arizona. Chris, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, I just wanted to echo that sentiment. It was uh, said earlier that, you know, just running back to school probably isn't always the best thing. And I did do that, and I am kind of suffering. Uh Oh, uh, so would you you go back to school and do, Chris? Well, I've, I've been a writer, you know, keeping journal. I went back and got a degree in, in journalism. And in retrospect, it probably it probably wasn't the best idea for me and for my career. Um, so, tell us why. Tell uh, us what. Tell us because I know there are a lot of people, Chris, and I'm glad you called in because I know there's a lot of people who feel like, especially when they're burned out, the, the job isn't for them anymore, their boss isn't working out, whatever the situation is, who think, you know, now is the time to do something new. And my first step is going to be send applications so that I can get a degree in whatever that is. So, um, so I, I think this is what people think is is a great first step, but it's timely, it's costly. <laughs> um, yeah. So what would you have done differently, Chris, had you done it over? I would have worked harder at getting work in the industry first. I could have experienced it firsthand. I'd never even worked at a newspaper or, uh, you know, any kind of a media outlet before. And, um, you know, the industry, for me, when I found out, you know, it, was, it wasn't at all as progressive and <laughs> as the company I'd been with. I mean, I, I actually was with a company who... Um, ended up discontinuing their operations, so it wasn't. I wasn't half unhappy. I was really, really happy. I'd still be there mm-hmm. if they hadn't discontinued. But um, so I thought, and then I, I took a job immediately, kind of in a similar uh, line of work. Right after that, I got hired immediately. But I also applied to school, deferred, got accepted, and deferred it. And then I thought, well, I'm going to do this, you know. And uh, so then I left that job gracefully, as I guess you mentioned. Uh, you know, still get references from my uh, manager and went to school. So um, what I would have done differently is just work in the industry, you know, mm-hmm. try anything, mm-hmm. do it, volunteering, anything. I mean, I think that was such a, I would have learned a lot. Um, I might not have been once I experienced kind of uh, what the culture of that industry is like. I'm not saying I might have just, you know, maybe these are just traditional newspapers. Uh, and, you know, you read a lot about these startups especially on the Wharton radio and um, something like that might've been totally different, but I was, you know, working at more traditional, you know, media outlets that were downsizing. Um, A lot of the people left had, uh, didn't have the greatest attitudes, um, you know, where initiative really wasn't encouraged. It just seemed like, wow, this is not collaborative. You know, this isn't, this isn't what I expected at all. Yeah. uh, uh, that that completely makes sense, Chris. And I just want to thank you for calling in because I think you've helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's summer. I think people are thinking about, you know, my job's not going so well. Maybe I'll go back to school and fall's coming. So I think your story is going to help a lot of people make a better decision about this. So I appreciate you calling in um, and uh, sharing this story with others. Thank you so much, Chris. And best of luck to you in your career. And there's two things I want to pull out of what Chris said. Um, you know, one is here's the deal. 
you are still going to have a job search waiting for you at the end of that two-year master's program or or your MBA or those types of things. So while I'm very pro-education, I think you can't go in thinking, well, I'm going to get a degree in in business or I'm going to get a degree in designing and out of that I'm going to get all these job offers because unfortunately it doesn't work that way and what we know is employers still want you to have that experience so some of the things Chris was saying about volunteering or going to kind of create a, a, a project or something that you can do so that you can see if it's it's a good fit and then the other question um, is for you Mo so so one of the interesting things that that Chris talked about was that this was a new industry and so we have a lot of people mm. we've done shows before on military trans transitioning into corporate or people who work in government transitioning into the private sector. So I know you you talk about six types of fit in the book, uh, one of them being culture fit, like Chris was mentioning. So if you've never worked in, in this field, like, you know, how do, how do you know that that six months in, say you're moving from military to corporate, that this is going to be a good for, fit for you? How can you assess that? I think it's you've got to approach it kind of like a detective exercise, right? And um, really research as fully as you can. What am I getting into? And I and I love what what um, he shared. Really brave of him to to share that with us. And I think it just points out um, such a. A powerful dynamic that we talk about in the book quite a bit, which is you really, in any way possible, you want to try the field, the industry, or the job that you're wanting to go into before you actually have to commit to school or even commit to a new job where you might may find yourself misfit. So, you know, is there an internship program that you can do? Do you have a colleague who's working in that space? Can you shadow them for a day or two? Can you do some robust interviewing to find out some of the back side questions, not the usual questions like, are you happy here? But more, tell me about how this company or this industry rolls. Talk to me about deadlines. Talk to me about work-life balance. Talk to me about the kinds of management education and training they do and how do you find your manager is to work with so that you're really able to dig into, does this feel like a place that's right for me? We actually have a checklist that you can kind of go through to help you as well as a set of questions um, to be interviewing people for that very um, research, but obviously the best, um, Don, as you know, is if you can somehow get exposure to that field um, from the inside. Yeah, and uh, volunteering by, uh, works, yeah. creating yeah. a project works. I mean, it doesn't have to be paid work because it'll also yes. build your resume, but um, it'll give you that sense of, is this a good fit? And I think a lot of people just assume because it's a, a well-branded company that it's going to be a good fit for them. But that's why I like that you, you, you take this elusive concept of fit, which people People are like, I'm not really sure what that means. I'll know it when I see it, uh, which is right. not very scientific or valid or reliable. And you break it into these six elements. You break it into meaning, job, culture, relationship, lifestyle, financial, and, and really digging into, is this a good fit? But my question for you reading all of these different types of fit, I mean, is it is it feasible that you're going to find a company that that all six of those are a good fit for you? Oh, I love it. I love it. It's such a great question, Don. And one of the things that Cammy and I um, noticed as we were digging into our interviews and our research and and just our own learning process was we looked at each other one day, we were getting ready to write a chapter and we, I said, you know what, Cammy, there is no perfect fit, is there? And she's like, nope, I think that's what we're finding. And there isn't, there isn't a perfect fit. I mean, occasionally someone will be like, you know what, this job needs all my requirements of a job. But to me, there's two things this taps into. One is it's all about a series of trade-offs. And work fit is very, we say, temporally relevant, meaning it's connected to your stage of life. So the new grads that are out there are looking for often one set of variables that may shift and change as they move into mid-career, as they maybe grow and develop families, as they either want to travel more or want to travel less, as their financial needs maybe increase or decrease. Those things very much affect what's going to feel you know, like a right fit for me. And the other is that the, job, the companies themselves change. So I might take a job and feel like, wow, this is meeting most of my needs. And then as um, Chris, I think, highlighted, the company may get bought and that might really change the culture. So it needs right. to be a misfit. Or your boss, boss changes. Change. Yes, <laughs> yeah. totally. So what started out as a great fit is, is not. And then I guess there's probably a third overarching thing. I bet you hear this on the show a lot, which is, can we expect that our job will fulfill, will fulfill us completely? And the answer is no. 
right? It still is at the end of the day a job. And so we want to also make sure that we're taking care of our personal happiness, our personal ability to thrive, the relationships that connect us and ground us in our life outside of work, even though most of us spend so much time at work, I don't think it's realistic to put every egg in that basket around my total fulfillment. We know it's really important, but we also want to tend to the other things that affect satisfaction in life. Don't you think? I mean, I think that's something that that we, we sometimes don't talk about enough. It, start, Mo, work is my life. That's it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is for many of us, right? <laughs> it kind of, yeah, it kind of, it kind of is. But no, I mean, when you, you talk about the fact that we 40, 50, 60 hours a week and, and yes, there needs to be a balance. But I think with social media and, and everybody's got 16 email addresses and texting mm-hmm. and instant message that, that the lines have very much blurred. And so um, it is it what used to be 40, 50 hours a week, you know, now you're getting texts on, on weekends and, you know, can you do this and can you show up and can you travel and you're leaving on Sunday Mm. so I mean it is it is important that this book is out there because I think if you love your job then um, it makes a very big difference as you were saying in in your personal relationships in in everything else outside of that so hey if you're just tuning in we have Mo Carrick on the line who has written her first book co-authored Fix Fit matters. <laughs> fix, fix your fit. Fit matters. How to love your job. So, hey, if you don't love your job, give us a call at 844 Wharton. That's 844 942 7866. So, we can help you with that. It's open call Thursday. So, if it's Thursdays, noon Eastern, we are live taking your calls all hour at 844 Wharton. That's 844 942 7866. If you'd like more great advice delivered right to your inbox, you can follow my blog dawnoncareers.com or you can always tweet me at Dr. Don Graham but right now it's time for a pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. Okay. So, wearing this fashion trend, usually seen on females, has recently been found to trigger back pain and other physical ailments. Wearing this fashion trend usually seen on females, has recently been found to trigger back pain and other physical ailments. Do you think you know? Give us a call at 844-WARDEN. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We will be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with the Dream Team, Michelle and Dion, and we have special guest with us today, Mo Carrick, who is the principal and founder of Momentum, Inc., and co-author of her first book, Fit Matters, How to Love Your Job. So, Mo, tell people how they can reach you if they'd like to learn more. The best way to reach me is probably to just tweet me at Mo Carrick um, on Twitter. You can also look at my website, mocarrick.com, also the book website, fitmatters.com. Those emails come to me. And then my um, consulting site is momentum.com. That's momentum with an E. And I'm also on Facebook, same name, Mo Carrick. Yep. And just be sure to let Mo know where you heard her. So, okay. So we are talking all about how to love your job. But right before the break, we went to the pre-break quiz. So we're going to go ahead and answer that Wearing this fashion trend, usually seen on females, has recently been found to trigger back pain and other physical ailments. Dion, Dion, I gave yes. you a pass earlier, but well, well you, you can't take the pass away though. <laughs> well, you said you know I, I know a little bit about yeah, women's a fashion. <laughs> now you said seen on women because I've got an idea. Is this is this something that you actually see? Yes, Ooh. you you actually see it all the time. Uh, I don't know where you're going with this, Dion. <laughs> my my thought is, I, I was gonna I was gonna say um, corset. Oh, that sounds wrong. 
<laughs> she was too surprised. Your, your, your O sounds, sounds wrong. You see it all the time. No, no, yeah, no. But <laughs> what kind of women are you hanging around? I don't, Dion? I don't well, know, yeah. Dion. You are a drummer, you know. I, I, I see some things. Yeah, I, I bet you see some things, and that is that is probably true, um, Michelle. I'm gonna guess um, big. Everybody's carrying these huge bags where you just put like basically everything you own in yes. there. So yes. I'm going to guess the big bags. So I, I think that is true. That is not the answer. Um, because it's actually something something you, you wear. Um, Mo, do you, do you have a guess? I, is it high heels? Ooh, that's a good guess too. But it is it is that's probably true as well. But but it's it, this is a very recent finding for oh, a very recent trend. But um, I know wearing this fashion this was kind of blew my mind actually. Wearing this fashion trend <laughs> usually seen on females has recently been found to trigger back pain and other physical ailments. Michelle in Georgia, welcome to Career Talk. You have a you have a quiz answer. I think I do, and if I'm wrong, it really should go on the list. Okay. I'm going to say um, thanks. Spanx, Spanx, Spanx. So there you no, but (laughs) (laughs) but you're right. It really should go on the list because I have worn Spanx, and it is it is cruel and unusual um, (laughs) in terms of women's fashion. We're gonna get back to this because I know you. I know you have a a question as well, Michelle. So we're gonna put people in suspense a little bit longer on this one. Um, What's on your mind today, Michelle? So right now, I really have a dream job with, a, with with what I thought was a great company. And I really, with all of my years of experience with different jobs that I've held, I truly am a perfect fit for this job. So I was thrilled to get the job. But then once I started with the company, turns out their work culture is not a good fit. So although my experience in the job is a good fit, personally for me, the work culture within that job is making it miserable. So what specifically, Michelle? Is it the, the colleagues? Is it your boss? Is it is it the expectations that are, are misaligned with what they presented to you? It's the, um, I hate to say it's the colleagues because, you know, the, is it a, a personal problem? But they tout this great work culture as uh, one of the driving forces of hiring you. And then when you get there, um, it's kind of backstabby, kind of clicky, kind of, not the, the culture that's put out there and, and I'm just so disappointed and I so do I do I jump to another company that has the exact same job that I have in search of that great work culture or do I just stay there and try to make it fit? So yeah, this is this is this is an interesting question. So tell me, Michelle, how long have you been there? Um, at this particular job, I've been there just over a year, but I've been eight years in this type of career. Okay, so you have eight years of experience in this this field, and with this company, you've been there just every year. They've in the interview process, they're like, "We're awesome, we're great, we have this great collaborative right. work culture," and you get there, and it's it's backstabbing and exactly a bunch of sharks. So, Mo, mm-hmm. what what do you recommend Michelle do in this oh situation? My gosh. Michelle, this is such a great question. I think it's so common, and I love how you named it as you know this culture isn't what I thought. It's actually one of the main reasons um, Cammie and I decided to do this work is because a lot of the the surveying and the public display of companies is focused on what I would call sort of the surface perks of the organization, um, and or they put out there a message about how they are, and then when you get on the inside, it's just not really that way. I would have two thoughts for you. When you mentioned you know backstabbing and clicky, what jumps out at me first is, gosh, I wonder if this is specific to the peer group that you're in and is there any way maybe you've already tried this have you tried having some hard conversations about the behaviors you're seeing that are troublesome with any of the perpetrators of the behaviors or with perpetrators wow good (laughs) good word um (laughs) michelle so um so i have it because we are such in such a niche department of this fortune 500 company that if i did say go to hr or i did go to my direct supervisor, I would look like not like I'm not being a team player. Like, can't really mm. have you really tried to do everything you can to get along? It could be an age discrepancy thing, or I'm a little bit older than the team that I work with. But I'm just I don't know. I'm really feel like feeling like an outsider in a oh yeah in a, in a big company. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is really tough. Have you? I'm curious. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but this is. I hear this. We hear this issue a lot. I've experienced it myself too. Have you tried to talk to the people themselves, your peers that are bugging you? Have you tried to have some difficult conversations with them? And I know it's hard. So what I'm asking is a lot. Yeah. No. No. And quite frankly, I haven't. I'm just trying to yeah. keep a smile on my face, head down, pencil up, and just you know plow through it. Um, we only have to be in the office one day a week. We work agilely, so really, it's just that that one day a week. <laughs> yeah. So the reason I'm asking is because I, I love you. It sounds like you've got a lot going for you in this job. You love the job. You're, you were, it was your mm-hmm. dream job in so many ways. And so I'd hate to have you just jump ship where you might end up back in the frying pan with a similar situation. So what I might point you to is there's a wonderful book put out by the Harvard Negotiation Project called Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most. There's another book um, that's quite popular called Crucial Conversations. Both of those books give you some really tangible tools for talking about what's hard. And it's I don't mean to imply that this is easy because when we're challenging some people around us to say, hey, you know, this behavior doesn't feel like it's consistent with our values or our culture, you know, we're giving critical feedback. It takes a lot of courage because it's a vulnerability. But it sounds to me like in your case, it might be really worth doing because the odds are that like most of us, these people don't know the negative impact they're having. And it's possible that other people, in fact, it's likely are feeling the same way you are. And so for you to be courageous and name that as, you know, from your feeling, not in the judgmental, you're being bad people, but more like this, I'm finding this difficult. I feel sometimes alienated due to our backstabbing. And I'd like this partnership to be more positive. So how can we work together on it? You might be surprised at what you're able to navigate over time with these very people you're working with. Yeah. So 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 general advice, Mo, is, is always trying to fix it internally first, if you can, especially, Michelle, this does sound like your dream company. But if not, uh, you sound like you have enough experience and track record in this field where you can you can find another role. And, and although it was your dream company, it's not sounding like this is your dream job. So so maybe you're, you're kind of holding on to something that that is like what they presented to you. And it doesn't sound like it's going to materialize. So thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. I love both of those books that you mentioned, Mo. And thank you for answering the pre-break quiz. I say, yeah, Spanx, they got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we're taking your calls all hour, 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. And, you know, Mo, Michelle brought up a couple of, of great points about how you can even assess because it sounds like they really put on a good dog and pony show about making this sound like a great place, uh, which was kind of totally different when Michelle came. So I do want to talk about that. But first, we're going to go to David Mm -hmm. in Michigan. David, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, good good afternoon and thanks. Hello. I've got kind of the opposite problem. Okay. In a job, really, really, really love it, enjoy it. We're a great company and stuff. But for personal and family reasons, I have to relocate. Okay. So there's a lot of guilt there. Um, So that's the first side is dealing with that and coming from a good place to wherever. The next thing is probably is working on my statement of why I'm leaving and not going to a new employer with, I guess, a chip on my shoulder that I I have to make this move. I'm not totally happy about it. So why do you need to relocate, David? Because of family? Yep. Okay. For health reasons. For health reasons. Okay. Um, And there's no way you can transfer with your company? No, it's a single location. It's a single location. And where you're going, do you feel like there's a lot of opportunity for you? Um, the one, probably the best one right now is yes. There is potential for moving up and around within the organization. It's much larger. Okay. So you talk about um, not wanting to kind of come across with a chip on your shoulder. So, I mean, what about this opportunity? Can you, everything has a silver lining. And it sounds like you don't want to move and this wouldn't be your choice. However, because you are... I'm wondering what things will be different that will be positive that maybe you haven't given enough weight to. Oh, um, but the pay. I know it's a different mindset <laughs> we're asking you to take because yeah. you've been. Yeah. Um. It, it's things I can do. There's there's a very good comfort level. It probably cut down some of the hours moving from middle management down to a lower level, um, to a plant level type position, and that. Um, it is a good organization. Okay. Um, there, there will probably be some time in the future an opportunity to move either vertically or horizontally. 
So, yeah, there's there's things there that are good. <laughs> and Mo, what advice do you have for David? Well, it sounds like one of the things you're worried about, David, is is sort of burning bridges because you're you're bombed about this move, and you know you don't want to. You don't. It sounds like you don't even want to tell them because you love it there, and and you know you want to be able to leave with a lot of grace. And one thing that jumped out at me is what a wonderful um, situation to be in in terms of the references you can get, and maybe even some ideas of where you to, where you move next. So one of the things I'm hearing between the lines a bit is that you know you 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 maybe would benefit from some help with a friend or family member to just process this transition you know it's not something you're necessarily choosing you you need to do it because of your life circumstance and those things are sort of hard and so that's a loss and maybe processing that separate from work might free you up untether you a little bit from the negative side so that when you talk to your current employer you can have it through a positive mindset of saying you know I'm yeah I am it's a bummer to have to do this but I feel I feel it's the right thing for me right now and I'm sad to leave your company because it's been wonderful for me in these ways and I'd love to get some strong references as I um, explore what happens next in my new location so maybe some outside work around letting go of the the little bit of resentment or frustration I'm hearing about the the need to move itself David, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Best of luck with your situation. And remember this. Remember that uh, we can't foresee what's out there. Sometimes the moves that seem to be the worst actually turn out to have some great Mm. things, and you just have to keep your eyes open. So as much as you're kind of resisting now, just go into it with an open mind because chances are there are going to be some things that come out of this that you can't even see as a possibility right now. So we wish you all the best. Hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We are here with Mo Carrick, who is co-author of Fit Matters, How to Love Your Job. And we are taking your calls at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So if you have a question about fit or any career topic, or maybe you're a hiring manager, how do you assess fit? Give us a call, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Okay, so I'm going to answer this pre-break quiz because I know people are are dying to know the answer. But okay, wearing this fashion trend usually seen on females has recently been found to trigger pain and other physical ailments. So a new study found that asymmetrical hemlines, asymmetrical hemlines can trigger back pain because they cause the wearer to move in an off-balanced way. In addition, workout attire, which has um, been putting out more and more asymmetrical lines, are visually distracting. And when you're working out in front of a mirror, these can lead to injury because you're actually working out off-balance. Who knew? Michelle, do do you wear asymmetrical workout gear? No. <laughs> I'm trying to think through. No, I think I have like your basics, yoga pants and, you know, a breathable top. I'm not getting too fancy with my workout All right, here. Dion, Dion, because I, I didn't want to discriminate. I, I don't know what asymmetrical hemlines are. <laughs> oh, oh, Dion. <laughs> this is why when we love you. Said you. It, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> that wasn't your answer? Not even close. Yeah. So, I mean, so like, you know, one shoulder, you know, one shoulder is bare, one shoulder. Oh. Yeah. Like, um, people or, work out in that? Well, no, I don't know if that's it. <laughs> I think the Golden Girls did, I, which is one of my favorite shows, right. by the way. You know, they were always very fashionable when they worked out. Um, but, like, you know, having a skirt where the, the hemline is like maybe longer in the back, uh, shorter in the front gotcha. kind of thing, or, um, very yeah. fashionable. Well, yeah. So, so you, I know you've never seen me wear this because I am not fashionable. But, uh, but yeah, this is interesting. So either don't wear asymmetrical clothes when you work out, or don't look in the mirror. I I don't know what to tell you, but um, <laughs> so there you go. I would never have guessed that. Our, our health tip for today. I mean, and people are studying this apparently. So, so it's a thing. But yeah. Um, so Mo, let's talk about how uh, you know back to to the earlier call about being paraded through the organization and shown all this great stuff just to show up and it being a backstabbing culture that's nothing like was presented. So, you know, there's certainly things we can look for and ask in the interview to get a sense of culture. But what are some of those maybe subtler signs or less known ways to really get a good picture of the culture you're getting into? Well, LinkedIn is a great resource, I think, um, for that, Don, because one of the little tidbits we've seen work really well for people is to go ahead and go into your first 
connections at LinkedIn and put a call out there. Does anybody know anybody who's worked at this company um, or is currently working there? And then to forward an inquiry saying, hey, I'm considering a transition to this firm. I'm, I really want to make sure it's a good fit for me. I'd love to talk with you a little bit about your experience. You know, sometimes some what may have bugged somebody about that workplace is actually just the thing you're looking for. I had a woman one time who talked to somebody and she said, you know, it really was difficult for me because they had a lot of flex time there and I really want a structured schedule. I need to know the exact hours. And the person who had done the research was like, oh, that's perfect for me because I really don't want structured hours. I want a lot of flexibility. So, you know, that it wasn't necessarily the answer she was looking for, but she kind of got it in that back way. So I think that's one way is to do some informal interviews. And then, of course, make sure to follow up and really um, try to return the favor or be very appreciative with a thank you note of those folks that can share a bit of their story. And I would keep it, you know, kind of informal. You're not asking them to out anybody, but you're trying to get a sense of fit and asking those more ambiguous personal questions about what it's like there. Um, another thing is to, to obviously you're going to talk to your, uh, your boss when you interview, but I highly recommend if you can to push for a little more than that. You know, it's unrealistic to base a job decision on a one hour interview or even a panel interview for, you know, three hours where you're, you know, you're, everybody's got their best game on. If you're really serious about the job and you're thinking of making a change, I would consider asking, Hey, would you mind if I came um, and sat in on a staff meeting or could I have some informal interviews with members of the team. Yeah, I would say that's a must. Do that. These are people you have to collaborate with. These are people you have to sit next to. These are people who you have to maybe share the the refrigerator with. And God knows you don't need people stealing your lunch every day. I mean, this is important stuff. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, and really probing. You know, again, you can keep it informal, but, you know, tell me about the day-to-day and what do you love about the way people interact? What sometimes gets under your nerves about the way people interact? You're going to get a lot more authenticity there to give you some red flags or to say, whoa, wait a minute. You also see some things like um, this last caller mentioned. There may be an age difference there, and so just kind of noticing that and thinking about, might that impact me or these folks that I'll feel comfortable being myself with? Mm -hmm. Great advice. So we are going to uh, be taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, or you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. But a couple of the questions I like, Mo, are, you know, what surprises you about working here? What surprised Mm. you when you first came to work here? Um, Another question I've asked, and maybe this one's a little bit um, on the bolder side, but I I have asked, you know, if you're, if I was, if I was your best friend and I was coming to work here, what is one thing you would warn me about? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Again, it might be it might be a little bit challenging to ask that in a first interview, but as you're kind of getting towards the stage of feeling like you're going to get to the offer, I mean, some of these questions really dig underneath. I mean, the question about what's your management style and all that. I mean, anybody can say anything to those uh, types of questions. So, you know, a couple of other questions, you know, what's the difference between a good employee and a fantastic employee? And that's a great question to ask your boss, because this is where you start to get into, well, a, you know, a fantastic employee works all weekend and is here at midnight. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> so now you kind of get a sense of what's important and what your boss values. Um yeah. And yeah, if that's great. going to be a good fit for you. So, Definitely. hey, you're just tuning in. We're taking your calls all hour. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So, okay. So you get into a company and, um, you know, it's a good fit. And you talked about, you know, over time that things may not be a good fit. And, you know, bosses change, different things change. So, So when do you really start to know that this is the time to move? We feel like there's kind of a calculation about that. And it's, of course, a variable calculation. But when you look at, for example, our six elements and our checklist, we suggest that, you know, depending on what's mattering to you at the time, you may be willing to make a certain set of trade-offs and stay longer than you ordinarily would because it's worth it. And because you know that it's worth it. Um, I'll give you an example. Early in my career, I was a wilderness guide. And um, that job met many of my 
criteria, and it was really exciting. I was learning all the time. I got to live and work in the wilderness, super interesting people. I loved my boss, but I had some dark sides, too. I was traveling um, most of the year. I was in remote areas. It didn't really lend itself well to, you know, getting married and having a family, that kind of thing. And the pay wasn't very good. And so I, I those things sort of bugged me. But at that time in my life, when I kind of did the calculation, it was still worth it for me for the experience I was garnering and the love of the job that I had, the work itself and the people to stay there for quite some time. I did that work for about seven years full time. And then eventually when I was doing, you know, I didn't know it was a calculation then, but as I look back on it now, I started thinking about, you know, actually my financial security is beginning to be more important now. I'm I'm um, becoming more mature. I'd like to settle down, um, maybe have a long-term relationship with a partner. And those things are more important now than they were seven years ago. And so now I'm starting to look at actually this job really won't meet those needs, so it may be time to move on. So I think it's, it's looking at is there one particular thing that matters that's worth a trade-off, or is there just a vast majority of things um, in the list that you're saying this is just too much, I'm really not not happy here and it's time to move. And that's why I like your book, because in your book, Fit Matters, How to Love Your Job, you do have a number of assessments throughout that that are, I mean, very simple to complete, but really help you look at all the tasks you do versus, you know, how, how important they are to others in the organization. And are you feeling valued by that organization? And that can certainly change over time. So, I mean, I can mm. definitely see people getting this book and maybe, you know, every couple of years going through the right. exercises and saying, hey, um, you know, where am I now? Is this Is this still a good fit? If it's not? Maybe it's time to move within the organization or maybe it's time to move out of the organization. Um, So how do managers, hiring managers, assess fit? Because I get the sense that many of them just come in with a, you know, I'll know it when I see it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really true. And often we go by what Cammie and I call more the vibe of fitting in. And that's really dangerous, right? Because the people that feel like they fit in may actually be a lot like us, and we don't generally want to hire as a hiring manager manager people that are just in our image, because then we end up with people that stylistically are the same, and that doesn't give us as much innovation mm-hmm. and creative ideas. So really thinking about not so much who do I feel comfortable with in terms of fitting in, but more saying how well do I think this person would do um, at fitting our our work environment, but at the same time, knowing that I'd like someone who has different kind of thinking than me, and maybe a different style of working. So I think asking questions, I was talking about this with somebody the other day, in particular, my favorite questions are behavioral interviewing kinds of questions that ask a candidate to tell me stories about their past experience that help me understand kind of how they roll. So rather than asking them to tell me about their, you know, um, their achievements or um, what they think their strengths and weaknesses are, instead, really putting them through their paces a little bit around things like describe a time for me when you had a conflict at work and how did how do you deal with it? Um, or tell me a little bit about um, what what you've learned about yourself regarding work life balance and how you like, you know, things to to go for you in terms of your work in uh, home life. Um, and so just getting people to talk out loud about how they've seen those elements be for them in the past can give you a lot of insight about what they're bringing into this job mm-hmm. in terms of fit. Yep. I think that is that is well said and a great way to end this. Mo, Mo Carrick, who is co-author of Fit Matters, How to Love Your Job. Thank you so much for joining us today on Career Talk. And one more time, Mo, can you remind people where they can reach you? Uh, they can reach me at mocarrick.com, at fitmatters.com, or excuse me, fitmatters.biz, and momentum.com. I'm also easily available on Twitter, Mo Carrick. Thank you so much, Don. It's been a pleasure talking to thank you. Thank you, and best of luck with the book. And I want to thank Michelle and Dion, our dream team, as always, for making the show go smoothly. And hey, if you'd like more great advice, you can follow my blog, Dawn on Careers. Dot com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. So say goodbye to those asymmetrical hemlines and hello to back health. Thank you for listening to Career Talk. We're here every Thursday live at noon Eastern time, replayed five times throughout the week. You can also catch the replay on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. And we are at SiriusXM Channel 111. We will see you next time. <laughs> 